Voxbus. In communication, we're not used to being able to speak what's true and then just letting what comes next, you know, embracing that. We we often think of speech or what we're going to say in terms of what's going to happen next. Right. Welcome everybody to the podcast Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, everybody. I want you to take a minute there and Think of a conversation that you've been putting off, one that you really don't want to do, you know, the times when you know that you should talk to somebody, but you don't because you have some fear that it's not going to go good or that if you talk to them, it will only go worse. And, you know, you feel kind of stuck and challenged. That's a difficult conversation. That's what today's episode is about. And I have a conversation with Kathy Courtney, a returning guest. And I've really enjoyed getting to know Kathy more this year. Actually, through some of the podcasts that we've done and our friendship has grown. Kathy brings heart and deep listening skills to everything she does. Through her range of experience with dance, somatic bodywork, marketing, parenting, and leading circling in Asheville, she's developed her capacity to be present with a wide range of emotions and human experiences. She brings her heart and her deep listening skills to every single relationship and feels a deep sense of commitment to this work and sharing it with the world. And in my experience being around Kathy, she has great gifts to give in this realm of intimacy and connection in, in relationships. Yeah, how do you tell a person something that they probably don't want to hear? Like maybe in your relationship, in your partnership, it is time to tell your partner that you want something more, something deeper, something more meaningful, or perhaps something even more difficult that you're thinking of separating or leaving the relationship. Or perhaps you need to tell your friend why you decided not to invite them to your party. Difficult conversations also happen in, in the workplace. Maybe you need to tell your boss that you want to raise or that you're quitting. Or perhaps a coworker that is not pulling their weight and you need to tell them that. Yeah, those are difficult conversations. And Kathy and I go into some of the details and the nuances about these difficult conversations and some tips and tools to be able to do this in a healthy way. And before we get on to the episode, I would like to thank a couple people that have donated to the podcast in the last couple weeks. I'd like to thank uh, Christy in Florida and Emily in Washington, D.C. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. It helps getting this podcast out to you every week. And if you feel that this has been beneficial and you do want to donate to my podcast, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on support the podcast page, and you can choose to give a monthly donation or one-time donation. I do appreciate the financial support in helping this podcast be produced by a professional team of editors, show note writers, and producers. So... Difficult Conversations with Katni Courtney. Let's talk about it. Hey, Kathy. Hi, Prepo. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I loved when you brought up last time that we met uh, for lunch, uh, our next podcast could be on difficult conversations. And I was like, ooh, good. Because mm. that is up for everybody. And there's all kinds of experiences that people have. Good, bad, avoiding, deepening intimacy. And 
So we're going to venture on it. So thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. Mm. I recently was asked, what is something weird that makes you happy? And my response was having difficult conversations. <laughs> mm. So what do you like so much about a difficult conversation? <laughs> I love that space of speaking what's true, waiting for what comes next. But I actually know that once we make it through this, uh, there's usually more intimacy on the other side. And I value that so highly. Even though they're difficult to go through, they create trust, better relationships, intimacy, and that lightness that comes from having spoken something that you've been carrying, even if it's for a day, mm. and then to come back to a shared reality with somebody is super rewarding. And then the last thing I'll say is that they feel really alive. There you go. And I love aliveness. Mm. Yeah, that feeling of, uh-oh, I don't know what the next moment might be in this. And the challenge, right? The challenge of ourselves and the experience that is feeling very alive of really, am I going to step up to my best self in this moment? Right. Mm. And I think it's easier once you have more ease with yourself and more sovereignty, you know, knowing that I'm going to be okay no matter how this turns out, I can't control it. I can't, I mean, I may have a intention and I may have a desired outcome, but I don't really know what's going to happen. But no matter what, I know that I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to do my best to stand in integrity, love, openness, and find out what what's really true. For me, that sounds like efficacy. You know, if I if I take the leap to have more difficult conversations, to have the experiences of it, I am going to have more of that experience that I'm going to be okay because we move through it. I think That's the people, right. when we stop and we hesitate and we avoid the difficult conversations, we don't have enough efficacy to know that I am going to be okay and I'm coming out of it in a very healthy way or at least a larger way of knowing myself. So approaching it more and more and more and having the experience of difficult conversations, not just that we get better at it, but also more comfortable in sovereignty, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's like building a muscle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these relating skills uh, we didn't grow up with or the ones that we witnessed in our parents and the people around us weren't, for the most part, in my experience, weren't necessarily very healthy. So... Um, you know, finding new, healthier ways to relate, it's a practice. Hmm. And like you said, the more you do them, the more you go through the difficult conversations, the more you realize, oh, I'm not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is actually beneficial. All right. Um, and I was just thinking for me, I witness difficult conversations every day. So even though maybe I'm not involved in a difficult conversation, I'm witnessing it third party in my counseling practice helping people navigate it through. And most people end up coming back and having more conversation from the difficult ones. Sometimes people don't, but I'm just thinking about, I'm exposed to difficult conversations, maybe more than most people are. So my body is getting more comfortable for, with it. Yeah. And you're right, there, there is an aspect I walk in every day and I'm going, hmm, there's gonna be some aliveness today because I know there's gonna be a lot of difficult conversations. Yeah. yeah. What have you noticed in yourself from, like when you were first in practice with working with couples to where you are now, did it bring up anxiety for you before? Like, what is the difference between yeah. then and now? I think in the beginning, I would think about what I would say or what I would do, run through scenarios and my responses. And after having a lot of experience and efficacy over the years, I'm so comfortable in winging it. You know, okay, let's, I, I've seen enough, heard enough. Not that they're all similar, but I know that I can just show up with what is. As long as I'm really being present, I'm being in my heart, uh, empathetic, acknowledging, but also I know I have a role to play. I'm just not an observer. People need guidance in that way. They're looking for me to hold a certain space mm -hmm. to help them move through that. So mm -hmm. I'm getting more and more comfortable over the years. So 
it's almost so important, like a little bit of that giddy aliveness, like, all right, let's just see what happens today and where it goes. Not in a voyeuristic way, but in just a response to life, having enough professional experience, personal experience that I know that I'll bring what needs to be brought in that moment. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, there are times that I do study up on something if there is a pattern or a challenging issue that people have that I want to bring another perspective than my own experience, have maybe some peer consultation and so forth. But mm-hmm. yeah, I used to have anxiety and I, and I don't you know anymore. I'm more excited about the possibility of people coming into closeness and intimacy and healing as opposed to the challenge of it going awry and wrong and bad and unhealthy. Yeah, what that sounds like to me is over time, you've come to really trust that those conversations do bring more healing, trust, intimacy. And so you, I mean, you've had that experience over many, what, 20 plus years Mm. of doing that. So you mentioned, like, where do you think people most get stuck when they have difficult conversations? Like, where do you think they go awry and where they need the most help? I think that, first of all, people have a lot of conjecture of what's going to happen, and usually it's negative. And we're trying to protect ourselves in that way. We're animals. We gotta look at the worst case scenario so that we'll protect ourselves. So I think people anticipate the person's gonna take a challenge, you know, this is not gonna go well. So that's already out there. And I think that that, I I try to really work with, focus on what it is that you want to speak to and not focusing on how it's gonna be received. Because we have absolutely no control over how it's received. Mm -hmm. I only have control over how I send it out. Mm -hmm. I call it whatever alignment it is. If I wanna speak with clarity, with honesty, with compassion, with empathy, then my words need to follow that. If I get a certain reaction from a person, I gotta take a quick mirror back. Did I send it out in alignment? If I did, I've gotta let that person have their own experience and not try to just move uh, or just uh, attend to a moving target. So I think that that's one part is people anticipate usually the worst. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Can I say something mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. I think what that brings up is in communication, we're not used to being able to speak what's true and then just letting what comes next, you know, embracing that. We, we often think of speech or what we're going to say in terms of what's going to happen next. Right. And that's, so, so that's one example. Like we have a whole story that we've made up. Maybe there've been experiences with the same person. In this case, we're talking about intimate partners. You know, you've had some experiences, they haven't gone so well, but we, we're already anticipating a certain outcome. Mm-hmm. And so we start designing the way we share the thing to avoid the outcome. That's right. <laughs> and then we get like 10 steps down away from ourselves and mm-hmm. we're no longer actually speaking what's really true. That's right. Do you it, see that? Yes, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And you're right, you know, in the realm of like intimate partnerships, but yet that happens of course with work colleagues and so forth. I think I told the story when I had a podcast with uh, my friend and ex-boss CEO Bill Morian. I remember when I wanted to have the conversation with him that I was leaving, that I was quitting. And I had a lot of anxiety about that, how he would respond. I would think he would respond pretty good, but I didn't know if he was gonna just tell me, all right, well, bud, you know, you need to just leave right now, get your stuff. I didn't think that was gonna happen. But when I told him that I was leaving, his first question was, well, where are you going? Like out of curiosity and it blew me away. <laughs> I didn't like, really? That's the question you're gonna ask? <laughs> and I said, you're not gonna like, try to throw some more money at me and make me, you know, want me to stay. And it was a great conversation, way better than I imagined. And so I think that we play that, you know, blow it out of proportion in many, many situations. Mm-hmm. And we're afraid to, I hear this all the time, I'm afraid to hurt the other person. That's a big one. I, I don't wanna really speak to that because I'm afraid I'm gonna hurt them. Mm-hmm. See, there, yes, the possibility of hurt, but you're not hurting them. Mm-hmm. They're feeling hurt. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big one for people to get. If I speak truth or authenticity of something I need to speak to that's difficult, then I am not purposely causing hurt. 
the situation, the feelings, the person may feel hurt, but I didn't have any malice to do that. So I'm, I'm not responsible for causing hurt. Now, of course, there might be other situations that people bring up, for instance, infidelity, a disclosure of infidelity, and mm-hmm. somebody talking and disclosing that. Yes, I imagine that that disclosure is a huge, deep betrayal, and that is going to cause some hurt. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think what came up for me when you said that is a couple things. I mean, the first instance you're talking about just sharing a truth, there hasn't been betrayal involved. But somebody having a hard time being with the emotions of of the person that they love or that they're talking to, I think that it's hard for us to sit in difficult emotions. Mm. And that's not so much about the other person. It really shows if I'm if I'm scared to see somebody else in pain, it means I don't have the ability or the capacity to sit in just being with what that emotion is. Right. We put such a a weight on positive emotions and you know negative emotions, but really it's so important for us to be able to be with whatever is there yeah. in other. Yeah. To be able to witness somebody else's emotion, the capacity that I have is the capacity that I'm comfortable with that emotion within myself. I truly yeah. believe that, right? Yeah. If we have a difficult conversation and you really feel sadness, for me to be able to witness your sadness, I've got to be able to expand in the relationship with my own sadness to hold yours. If I don't relate to mine, I'm not going to witness yours. Yes, that's, yeah. that's empathy right. at work. Mm-hmm. I think that requires a certain amount of connection to what is happening for me in this moment and being able to connect into, for me, it's always a very physical, kinesthetic, you know, somatic experience. So Mm. being able to just really be with the sensations and the pain or the sadness or whatever the emotion is to just sit with it and get curious about it. Like, Mm. yeah, like a sensation, right? but to really be there with that person. Mm -hmm. And you're right. One aspect is feeling a sensation instead of a big story that we're putting on. Right now, the microscopic truth is my heart's palpitating, my hands are getting clammy and sweaty, as opposed to what the person that I'm speaking to, how they're going to take it and what's going to happen to our relationship. Yeah. If I stay with that, I can regulate a little bit of my my somatic self, my body, and then that will follow with my words. Exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to also follow up on when you said you're not speaking intentionally to harm, but there are ways that we can speak in a self-responsible way when we're approaching a difficult conversation. What do you think the first step of that is? Like if you, let's say we have a situation where something happened between, you know, you and your partner the day before and you've been sitting with it and it's still in your system bothering you and you know you have to have that conversation what do you think the best way of approaching that is? Yeah, well, I think the, the best way is to approach it authentically and truthfully. So I would go up to my partner and say, I really would like to have a conversation with you about the challenge that we had yesterday when we were talking about blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hey, can we have a chat? Uh, right setting that person up like oh is it going to just be a chat or (laughs) people know that feeling but also maybe not you know we know many times of how we got sabotaged with somebody said can can i talk to you as opposed to hey this is a conversation that i want to have with you also are you available because asking if somebody's available for a difficult conversation really sets you up to go down a better pathway that's right that's yeah. right. Yeah. And then they have the opportunity to say, well, actually, right, right now is not a great time. Right. Okay. When, when would be a better time? And then you can come upon an agreement of when to have the difficult conversation. Yeah. And then let's talk a little bit about what, like when I'm communicating the thing or what's happening in my experience, what I notice in the folks that I work with is And in myself too, if I'm not really in alignment or grounded, 
you know, it's easy for us to want to blame the other mm. or put the responsibility on them. That's right. But really the most important thing, I think, when we approach this is to first take a moment to really get clear, what is my intention behind this conversation? If yeah, it's, what do I want out of this conversation in some way, right? Yes. What's my intention and what do I want? Mm -hmm. And if you realize that your intention or what you want is to make your partner wrong, well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you need to go do a whole lot more work until you can come back. But really, you know, for me, the intention, what I would want my intention to be is to have more closeness, to clear the air and to come back to connection. Right. So speaking my experience and not, you know, owning my feelings, what happened for me when you said that, this is what happened inside of me, and I'm noticing I've been feeling, you know, my heart feels a little bit closed, and I've, I've had a knot in my stomach all day, and, you know, I really would love to be able to clear this with you. What was happening for you? So that's one way to do it. But sometimes what we have to be careful of is even if we're using language of I and like my experience, if you still have the intention of blaming right. your partner or the person you're speaking to is going to feel it. Right. Do you see that? Uh, yeah. All I day see long? It. I see it a lot. I see that people don't really sit with the intention of what they want, especially the closeness and the, the deeper intimacy or the understanding more what people want is i want to speak what i feel or my truth and i want you to agree with it basically and mm. or i want facts and i'm going after the facts i'm going after what you believed the experience was and then people just start arguing about realities back and forth and people don't really sit with the intention especially intention of connection yeah. 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 So, okay, so you speak the thing that you've been feeling, and then I believe, and, and I want you to fill in if, mm. if I don't have it all, but then you, the next step is to welcome, to sit in your seat and welcome the truth of what comes next. In an ideal world, make yourself available for your partner's truth. And even if it hurts, you know, even if it's different than your experience, this is an opportunity to really get the other's world. Right. Like, you know, we all go around with completely different occurring worldviews and we may have a situation or an experience and we see it totally differently. And oftentimes we assume that the other person is experiencing it the way we are. And half the time the dissonance is that we've seen it completely differently. So this is your opportunity to really understand what happened for your partner. I think that's great to focus on the curiosity of what's happening in my partner's world. And again, not try to match my reality with their reality, you know, because then we get back to the proving wrong, proving right. And so many people are marred in that. So if I just want to know more of your world in order to understand you, in order to be closer to you in that way, that's a wonderful focus just to have in itself, is mm -hmm. just understanding. And many people don't go just for understanding, they go for resolution. I don't think resolution is always the best intention to have, because my experience, sometimes if we're so focused on resolution, when we resolve something, there's something more to keep resolving and we're missing the transformational process of what takes place. Oh my goodness, I think that this is a very important pull of wisdom that you just dropped. Yeah, I, got, I just dropped it, <laughs> Let, didn't I? Let's make sure that we don't <laughs> go past this. Hmm. So it's not always resolution, yeah. the understanding is more important. Yeah. So how might that look? It's, it's challenging in, in a non-intimate, emotional relationship, for instance, in the business world, we use this all the time, conflict resolution, mediation. I used to be a mediator years ago, and it was all about, let's get to the resolution. And it wasn't really about, what's the process here? Oh, you just wanted an apology. Oh, you just wanted me to own that I'm sorry for what I said, instead of 
$20,000 to take away your pain. And that's really not encouraged in other realms. And I, I'm, I'm seeing it a little bit more. I hear people that are transforming some of the aspect of professional worlds in that way, yeah. that it's more about the interpersonal relationships also and not just about the resolution. But we're, we're, we're some ways from that. So in our intimate relationships, that is a big one to really feel. Again, the need, what's my intent? What do I really want to happen? So I've got to look what's happening in this encounter as opposed to just resolving the issue. And yeah, I like transformation. I, I wish it was changed from conflict resolution to conflict transformation. <laughs> yeah. I feel really excited hearing about that for some reason. And the the term that comes up that we often use is agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's a little deeper than that, but it's kind of similar. It's like, yeah. if I have more understanding, that actually is more has more potential to transform me. Because if we're really on a more spiritual transformational journey, we're willing to let go of how our constructs and our identity on a day-to-day -day basis. We're constantly changing right. and transforming. So maybe even in the understanding of you in this difficult conversation, there may not be resolve, but maybe I've, I've actually been changed by the conversation. And maybe not in the moment of the conversation. I think that that's really important for people to know. The transformation or the movement can happen after the digestion, the reflection, and not just what happened. Because if we are able to really reflect and try to pick up things and recall things during that difficult conversation, like, oh, wow, I didn't let that in. Actually, that person was really emotionally moved and I didn't really see that or name that. Or they did say this and I was reluctant and I was defensive and I didn't allow that in. You know what? Maybe there was some truth to what they said. Now transformation can take place. It doesn't yeah. necessarily do it in the moment. Yeah. And that's why it's about, you know, we hear that trust the process. But yeah. there is part of that. You know, in a difficult conversation, it is a lot about also trusting the process of it. Yeah. I'm actually reflecting as you're saying that on a, a difficult conversation I had with my sweetie today, and I don't really want to get into the details of it, but what... Oh, come detail. <laughs> People are going, yes, listen. No, no, no. <laughs> well, what yeah. I do want to say about it is I have a general rule for myself that if somebody is saying something to me negative, that could occur like negative feedback even if it's in a couched in a reactivity and not the nicest way to deliver, mm -hmm. there's always a question that I hold in the background. What part of this is true? What part of this could be true? Mm -hmm. And that's where after the conversation, I start to have, you know, what I think is some transformation. Because you're not concluding at all right there. You're not setting it in conclusion. You're open for, for interest and curiosity in that moment. I am. Yeah, that's fantastic. I am. Good on you. But I don't think that that comes easy for people. Right. I think that's been a process for me. But, you know, we still, like, I notice that there's places that I still hold identity. So, you know, I have a really high value for communication style and skill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I teach circling. And it's all about communication and relating and curiosity and really the space between us in the moment. And I've come to learn how rich that is and how much I value it. Mm. But guess what? Like not everybody in the world is practicing that. That's right. And although my sweetie does love it, he's been to some of the circling nights I lead. He's witnessed me coaching people on how to circle and he loves that and always feels blown away by it. But it's not his... Is he intimidated by it? Um, I don't know if he's intimidated. Hmm. Perhaps. I, I'm not sure. But he has a tendency. He has to talk things out. He's processing. Hmm. And so we had the situation where he was just processing something. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of days. And I only have an hour and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, okay, we're 35 or 40 minutes in and we've got about 25 minutes left. And 
I'm not really sure. Like I'm feeling myself starting to shut down a little bit. It's a lot to take in. I'm wishing that he was curious about my experience and wanted to check in with me. And so I made this kind of judgment or belief that I'm not getting heard here. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I felt slighted. <laughs> so I unconsciously made a decision to start pulling away a little bit. And he's so sensitive. So he picked up on that and he's like, what's going on with you? Mm. And so I shared with him, I feel like I've been talked at and I wish you had more curiosity for me. And so I guess where I'm going with this, so he, you know. So you said that in the moment of the experience, you didn't wait. I didn't wait. Had a girl. Is it? Yeah, I do think that it is good to, at times, say it in the moment so it doesn't get larger and bigger and then more apprehension because of making it more difficult. Sure. Yeah, but I actually wish that I had, had said something 10 minutes prior. Mm. So thank you for acknowledging me, but I feel like I could have done better. Because the decision to shut down or pull away that ultimately hurts. Mm. It hurts me, it hurts him. And it's not like a conscious decision, right. but on some level I'm it's making... It's a protection. It's a protection of something, yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you know, we there was some reactivity and some things that were said that were difficult to hear. And I rested, I try to keep sort of resting back in, in myself to really hear him. And then I felt, you know, there were parts of me being triggered. And ultimately what happened was we both really value our connection so much because there's such sweetness and love. You know, we worked through the reactivity, we worked through the triggers and came back to love. But I'm still sitting with some of the things he said. Hmm. And it's bringing into question for me this identity or belief or rigidity maybe that I have around the ways that we should be relating to each other every time we're together. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe he just needed time to talk through something and I could have just been more available to really be present for what he needed to talk about. Right. So that's where it's it's... It's sitting in me now, and I'm appreciating his perspective. And I feel, honestly, like I'm having a new experience of relationship and love. Hmm. And I don't know all the answers. So th that difficult conversation is going to probably go into a lot of many, many future challenging conversations just about that experience. You know, yeah. your reflection about it, your noting, questioning whether the desire or need of that you have and that kind of intimacy is always warranted. And so there's this continuous, like that's gonna show up again, probably. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that is the digestion from this difficult conversation that you have. Yes, yeah. and actually the cool thing, at the end of the conversation, we recognize that we both, I hit, my pulling away is super triggering for him. And even if it's for five minutes mm. or 10, you know, it's super triggering. Yeah. And then I was triggered as well. And so we talked about, okay, next time this shows up, if we have the wherewithal, if we have the capacity, here's an opportunity. Mm. Let's slow down right. and name what's happening and actually get curious about it. Yeah. Because this is where we get to have a healing opportunity. Because these things are going to come up over uh. and over again. And I know it's not about you. You know it's not necessarily about me. But we're plugging into each other in a very particular way that's showing ourselves uh. something. So the interest in curiosity is one of the most beneficial ways that we can really work on having di difficult conversations, I think, as opposed to what we have to also work on is the degree of defensiveness. Because those two things don't go well together no. you know and so more curiosity less defensiveness and when two people get defensive that's why most people i think have challenging avoidance with difficult conversation is the defensiveness that comes up around the challenge of having a difficult conversation yeah how do you work with people when you notice a lot of defensiveness and their responses and well 
I try to slow it down, like you said, you know, really noticing what is coming up in their body because the defensiveness is in the body. It's in the contraction. And usually, you know, there's this feeling of pain that the person is feeling. We don't want to really feel the pain. It's a hot potato. So I'm going to throw it right back to you. So if I throw my defensive back to you, I, I relieve myself from feeling the pain. Now you got the pain. And I think that that's something that people aren't aware of. No, I didn't do that. Well, you do that. Now I can focus on you instead of owning maybe guilt or shame around whatever it is that I might have to own that I just said, I don't do that. Do you do that? Instead mm-hmm. of like the curiosity, maybe I do do that. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me more about that shows up? So the inner curiosity for people to get, but first is recognizing, I don't think many people even recognize the mechanism of defensiveness, mm-hmm. that they're getting defensive. What do you think some, for people listening to this, one is some, what are some of the telltale signs that, you know, for folks that don't really understand that they're getting defensive, what are some things that they could possibly notice in themselves to alert them? A little body shutdown, just even the moving away in eye contact, looking down, shaking head, knowing that I just kind of like just shut off and I'm really not listening to you because nope, I don't agree with what you're saying. You're wrong. Even that wall that goes up, people have different walls, whether it's even crossing an arms, that's also, I'm not letting it in. So I think people have to recognize some of the somatic things that are happening with, with defensiveness. Yeah, I think also some heat can arise. So if they don't have enough attention on their actual physical body and what they're doing, maybe they just feel their their face gets hot or Mm -hmm. their chest gets hot or, yeah, Yeah. we're in fight or flight at that point. Exactly. Just the definitive like, no, I didn't do that. No, you're wrong. You know, just that total conclusion and just not letting any space for the possibility So people have to recognize when there is this total conclusion that's going on, there is probably a lot of defensiveness. Yeah. And so, okay, so let's go back. We've started the conversation with setting up the context of it. I'd Mm. like to have a conversation about what happened. Is this a good time? Then you share what's on your heart. I'd just like to, to put something in. In a difficult conversation, what I like is doing more of the heart share format that I do at work, naming my my counseling practice, just the the one aspect of having a timer where I'm going to speak for a certain amount of time. And let's just start off with five minutes. So what happens with that, when I'm just speaking and you're listening, we can't have an escalation. Escalation happens when both of us are speaking over each other and at each other and interrupting each other. So I think that that form of just having one person speak and the other person listen is a great foundation and groundwork for a difficult conversation. I might've spoke to this, but my mother and I, when we had poor communication years ago, and I asked her, I said, let's introduce heart chairs. We, you know, I do this at work. And so I said, mom, why don't you speak for five minutes and I'll speak for five minutes. And after five minutes each, she said, let's do it again. And we ended up doing about an hour of this five minutes of time. It was the first time in many years that we really, really, truly heard each other. And it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a couple of months later, we slid back. And I remember my, mo- my mother said, hey, let, let's do that heart shit stuff that you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, baby, we're going to do that heart shit stuff. I like right. the heart yeah. shit stuff. <laughs> uh, I like yeah. that time addition. Yeah. That's a great it, it idea. You know, it's simplistic, but th- there's a certain safety in that. Yes, right. I love that. Right. Okay, but even all with all those things in place, somebody could still... Get, find themselves getting super defensive. So then what? Well, I can just even name it. I can see right now that something is coming up that you're challenged by from what I said. Can we even pause? So I, I get to even ask for a pause. Can we pause right now? Well, I, I'm feeling reactions based on being interrupted. I, I would like to take a pause. I think we have to track ourselves in the way of watching the anxiety and the heat. And if it starts to speed up back and forth, then I think it's the aspect, let's pause this. And if we're not staying with recognizing, again, the intention, I want closeness, I want understanding. And we'll get more involved with right and wrong, that big booby prize, the greatest human addiction, right? I'm proving myself right. 
We have to recognize that when we're doing that. And if you're doing it, if we're having that conversation, I'm not going to just point out, you know, you're trying to be right here. I might, you know, just again, say, pause. I said, is there, is there a way that we can get more understanding? You just put more curiosity out there. Mm. Is there something that you need or want to hear from me that will help you right now? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Is there something you need or want to hear from me right now that would help? Yeah. And maybe even say to help uh, bring us more understanding that would help with me to understand you right now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Even with all of that prepo, mm. I'm imagining I'm in that situation and I'm asking those beautiful questions. You may still, somebody could be so far down the track of Absolutely. anger that they may not be able to adjust. Yeah. So I'm imagining in that situation, you would hope that the person that's so far down the anger path can catch themselves and take a break, but they may not, they no. may not be able no. to. Typically, I don't think you can really rely on the no. person that's in that situation. We got to take care of ourselves. We in have that to way. take care of ourselves. Yeah. So one thing maybe is I'm re I'm getting right now that I really need to take some space. That's right. A timeout is for us. We don't call timeout for somebody else. Yes. <laughs> It's a big one, folks. Say that again. Yeah, we call a timeout for ourselves. We don't call a timeout for somebody. We don't say, you're getting really angry. You, we need to stop or you need to back off. We say, I'm feeling unsafe right now or I'm feeling that this is getting escalated. I need to take a pause. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. The other one reminds me of scolding a child. That's right. Nobody wants to be scolded like that. That's right, yeah. Because then control, manipulation takes place that we disempower somebody else through a false sense of power by me having power over you. That's false sense of power. True empowerment is when I feel powerful and I'm empowering you, then then we have empowerment. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think I'm sometimes guilty of doing the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's just, that's just part of the, the human mechanism of protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why creating more and more safety in our relationships outside of those difficult conversations can have efficacy again to know, wait a second, I know most of the time that you and I were connected, that we respect each other, that there's a love flowing. I got to remember those times and those feelings inside my body that when we all of a sudden do start getting into it, that I can not just, was it? throw the baby away for out the, with the, the bath, bath water, water and mm -hmm. think like our relationship is just hell now. It's like, wait a second. No, we're just having some difficulty, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but so many people catastrophize that moment and then they don't know how to come back into connection. They go ahead and separate. They don't talk for hours or days. And then that just seeps. And then they're trying to get connection after that. And of course they're going to continue to have these difficult ways of reconnecting because mm -hmm. they want to keep on bringing it up. The other thing that I think is really good is at a difficult conversation is at times really owning our own accountability and responsibility. And not to, when I tell couples when they're in a conflict, not go back to the same way. Don't just take 20 minute break and start it up again. No. One of the best ways is I'm going to own my, if I believe that you're 99.9% .9 wrong, I'm going to totally own my point one. I'm going to just own, own mine. Yeah. If I own mine and you own yours, we're already doing what we wanted was to take accountability by me pointing the finger and telling you what you're doing wrong. I yeah. want to take mine. Yeah. And that's not just saying, sorry. That's right. It's because that's not, no, that's that not shit does not. No. no right. <laughs> because I said, I'm, I'm sorry. What do you want? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Right. That's like actually really feeling the impact of your words and how that's been a part of the of the dynamic yeah. and really spelling out for your partner or the person you're in the conversation with your part in it yeah in more detail yeah and you know what's coming to me too many people have difficult conversations over text it blows my mind that's the one thing i always tell people don't text difficult conversations or emotions. Text, bring home bread, you know, <laughs> six o'clock, <laughs> I'll see you. Can't Flat wait to tire. see you, yeah, baby. Again. Yeah, emoji, emoji, love, love. Not, not emotional context. And yeah. whether we're 
hiding behind that in some way because the difficulty of actually seeing the person in some way again it gives this false sense of power like we see online when people comment they say a lot of things that they would not say if the person was right in front of them that's true and so we hide behind that with false sense of empowerment and it really comes out in a misconstrued way and if it's not, it even is difficult to pick up text in words yeah. as opposed to connotation of voice. Yeah. Uh, voicemails are so much better to leave than written text. So everybody really try to get out of the habit of bringing up difficult conversations through text. There's absolutely no eye contact in texting. No. Or an ability to read somebody's body language. Exactly. And sometimes people get the text when they're not available whatsoever right? They're in the middle of a meeting, you know, they're just leaving something or they see it and they're not prepared to have the fallout of what that is. And then they respond really quickly, really back in a defensive manner right. and just goes kind of back and forth. It really blows my mind when I have clients say, I want to show you our text thread. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to see your text thread because I know what it's going to be like. It's just back and forth. And, and then people use the text as proof. I'm going to go back in the text and see what you said. And, yeah. and that's not what we're talking about earlier about creating intimacy and connection and the intention of knowing you in a deeper way. Yeah. I'm hoping that we have conveyed enough why we would have these difficult conversations. Uh, I know we're coming to the end of our time. Mm. And, um, you know, for me, I heard, I wanted to share, I, I've been listening to Esther Perel a little bit this week and last week. And she's also a couples therapist and kind of an anthropologist, really a relational anthropologist. Mm, and great. I love, I love her perception. I love what she's communicating. You know, she talks about how, drastically relationships and marriages have changed in such a short time. And we're really working it out as we go right now. Mm. We, it's, it's a brand new paradigm that we're in. But anyway, the one thing that she said this week that I heard was the quality of our relationships is equal to the quality of our lives. I love that. Yes. Mm. And I realized as she said that that's exactly what drives me. I want to help people have better quality relationships. And we're in a loneliness epidemic right now. Mm -hmm. I think 50% of Americans have reported being lonely. And it's, it's, it's a health epidemic. Yeah. So the, the reason for these conversations, it takes courage. It takes sitting with some discomfort. Courage. The it courage. Takes, it takes a lot of courage. We all know that. Yeah. yeah. To to choose the courage over the comfort of not saying something. That's it right there. That's beautiful. That's that's the reason why to have a difficult conversation. Well, I think too it's the value that we receive from choosing courage over comfort is more truth, more intimacy, more understanding, possible transformation. I mean, the rewards are great versus sitting in comfort and still stewing about something and feeling disconnected, feeling lonely, mm. you know, yeah. repeating patterns. I mean, just all that stuff. Yeah. Like, come on, people, we have to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's done well in some way, not just perfect, but when it's done with courage, it's so inspirational. When somebody comes to me with a difficult conversation, maybe about what's going on with us, I get inspired. I had a friend years ago that when we were in Denmark, something happened that I thought was so funny. And through, through the years, we would joke about it, but I would bring it up in a laughter kind of way, you know, when he said something and, and we would laugh. And after almost 20 years, he pulled me aside and he said, can I have a conversation with you about, about this? <laughs> and he said, I just want to tell you, like, when you say this, I just tell you, tell you, I feel sad. It just hurts. And he said, I know that it, you don't have any malice and, and so forth, but it just, it, it hurts. And I feel kind of ashamed to just say that, that I should be able to take some of that joke because it was funny. And I remember looking at him and saying, man, I will never bring that up again. I do not want you to feel hurt just because I want to get a, a joke out of it. Oh. His, him bringing it up and 
to, in the manner that he did was so inspirational because I know how difficult that was. And so I just put that out is that's also one way that we can really inspire other people by when we take the courage to bring up a difficult conversation and may inspire somebody else to do yeah, it also. That's beautiful. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So is there anything we've left unsaid for this conversation? Mm. <sighs> I don't know, but we can hold it for another conversation. Yeah, later, maybe but, there'll be a yeah. part two. Yeah. I've and those of this. you that are listening, if there's more about what we talked about that you do want to dive deeper in, go ahead and leave me a relationship question on my website. You can do that on heartsharecounseling.com. Go to the podcast page and you can reference the conversation that Kathy and I had. And if you want to go deeper or you want us to go deeper, we can do that on a future podcast. So, mm -hmm. People, you are offering so much value to people in this mm. podcast. And I just want to take a minute to uh, give you a shout out. Mm. Like this is, you are doing such a big part in helping people to have better relationships and better lives. I love that you're touching so many more people like this because mm. you're, you know, you can only see one client per hour or two clients yeah. per hour. But I just love that you're sharing all your wisdom with so many people. Mm. And um, I'm super grateful for doing this with you. Thank you, Kathy. That feels really good. Go breathe that in for a minute. Thanks. <laughs> and what was really special, I think, is that our relationship started because of this podcast, because I wanted to have a conversation with you where I never met you before. A friend of our mutual friend said you might want to have a conversation with Kathy about a podcast episode. And our friendship that we're developing over this past year has developed on the basis of, and this is now our third podcast together, mm -hmm. and yet we meet for lunch and try to get for tea and so mm -hmm. forth and just share. So that's a beautiful offshoot. And that's what I love about doing this podcast too, is I get to have, I don't do remote, remote conversations at all. I want this face to face and learning through this conversation and the deepening of, of uh, understanding in mm -hmm. relationships. So thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alrighty. So till next time, and we'll have to figure out another. Sounds topic. good to me. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Oxbus.